You are listening to The Voice of the Arts, WQED-FM. I'm Jim Cunningham. It is a joy to speak with Dana Bishop-Root from the Carnegie Museum, who is the Director of Education and Public Programs there, and Roger Humphreys, Pittsburgh jazz legend, the leader of the RH Factor in the Big Band. We're talking about going to the Carnegie Museum of Art and going inside out with a fantastic series this summer. It's underway through September 4th on Thursdays and Saturdays. Pop-up performances in the outdoor uh, sculpture garden. We've got DJs and artists who are part of the scene in Pittsburgh, art activities, food trucks, local beers, kid-friendly treats, and you can see the museum inside as well. Dana, it sounds like a blast. Congratulations. Thank you. It has truly been an incredible team effort across the Carnegie Museum of Art, as well as the entire arts ecosystem of Pittsburgh. Um, we have such a beautiful, rich, um, like diverse multiplicity of art in Pittsburgh from, I'm talking about, you know, when I say diverse, I'm talking about um, cultural traditions. I'm talking about the forms the art takes. I'm talking about the neighborhoods that art lives in. I'm talking about the way that art activates our communities. Um, and so, and then we have the Carnegie Museum of Art, which, you know, has this incredible rich tradition um, of thinking about art, not only in Pittsburgh, but also how it interconnects with art discourses, contemporary, historical, um, around the world. And so to me, um, Inside Out is such a wonderful kind of celebration and way of connecting. It connects all of these various discourses and practices um, together and is a real opportunity for all of us to um, experience each other. Well, if you want to get the... So thank you. Of course. If you want to get the complete lineup, you go to the website, cmoa.org slash inside out. But on the line here, one of the headliners, it's Roger Humphreys and his RH Factor. We're looking forward to get together with Roger on June 12. It's a Saturday from noon until 5. Roger, hello. How are you? What are you up to? Well, I'm just excited for the opportunity to be playing over at the Carnegie Museum I, I went on a like a walkthrough, like a little tour with, with Dana, and boy, is it beautiful. I can't wait. <laughs> now, what band will you be bringing, the full R.H. Factor? Yes, the full R.H. Factor is my quintet. And It'll who's be, in the quintet these days? It's going to be uh, Dwayne Dolphin, Max Leake, Luz Delute, and James Moore. They're all legends. It's amazing. Yeah. What a great group. <laughs> looking forward to it too man it's it's so beautiful you know and to put the music you know with the scenery on the outside is wonderful we're looking forward to it so what sort of a set do you have planned you play all the legends will i get to hear song from my father oh definitely <laughs> but i'm gonna try to save that one <laughs> <laughs> this is of course a signature tune with horace silver that you recorded uh, when you were just a young guy getting out there but it became a standard and uh, you hear it everywhere around the world when you're uh, shopping places sometimes it comes on the sound system it's absolutely amazing a, a jazz standard roger you got to tell me just a little bit about the song song for my father did you know this was going to be an everlasting jazz standard when you were recording it had no idea and people be telling me you know some drummers uh, what have you, they asked me a question, where did you get the beat from? I said, I just created it. <laughs> a 
along with the uh, the music that Horst Silver was playing, song for my father. And and now, wherever, almost where you're going, even on the radio stations and everywhere, I had no idea that this song would be this popular. And I'm and I'm blessed to be you know part of it because I played the drums on it with all the other great musicians. Well, your whole family was musical. Uh, you were a drummer from when you were just a kid. You were, what, three and a half years old, something like that, and you had the drumsticks in your hand. That's right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's, it's, it's wild. Like you said, I've been blessed with my uncles, my Uncle Frank and my Uncle Hildred. They, uh, my Uncle Frank played the trumpet, and my Uncle Hildred played the sax. And not only that, I had two older brothers who played music. My brother Lawrence played the saxophone, and my brother Norman was a drummer. And he taught me, you know, at, at, the, at the very early age, it seemed like I just kept picking up stuff, hearing it in my head, you know. And it's, when you have a gift, you're able to repeat things, you know. And that's what I was doing as a kid, three and a half years old, listening to all these great records that they used to play for me. And... Uh, well, you realize it, you know. I'm not trying to take credit for it. It was the gift that was given to me. <laughs> well, you've had the gift of accompanying and playing with so many, being part of these huge musical legends, touring with Stanley Turrentine and Shirley Scott, and you name it. Uh, the list is 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 very long. Could could you choose a couple highlights of the people that you've worked with and things that when you think back on it, you think, wow, it's amazing that I did that. And I toured Europe with these folks and uh, folks you, you knew. Some of them are gone from the scene now. Oh, yeah. Like Stanley is gone. And uh, to leave here from New York City to come back to Pittsburgh, uh, and then leave from Pittsburgh at the age of 18. Then we go straight out to California, San Francisco, the Jazz Workshop. That's where my first gig was with Stanley Turrentine and Shirley Scott. And that was like um, in 62. And, you know, because I came right out of high school. And then in 64, I got the, the gig with Horse Silver. And that was wonderful, you know, to travel all over the different places in Europe, you know, Ronnie Scott Club, and um, to meet so many people, you know, like I never had the idea that I, I would get a chance to meet them. And and then going after Horse Silver in 68, that's when I hooked up with uh, Ray Charles. And uh, I played with him, like, for about a year. But there was another great guy who got, guy who got me the gig, and that was Edgar Willis. Edgar Willis was the bass player with Ray Charles, and their drummer was getting ready to leave the band, and he called me, and we went down to a Roosevelt Hotel, and that's where I had the audition at. And two weeks later, I got the call from Ray Charles come to join the band we were in, in Chicago, and that was a wonderful experience, you know. Mm, amazing. Wow, I love it. And, of course, if you want to check out your recorded work, you've got a terrific discography on your website, and you've been making records all the way along. You did uh, at least three with Horace Silver. I see on the list there's an unissued 1963 Stanley Turrentine Shirley Scott session. Whatever became of that record? Why can't we get it out? It's sitting on a vault somewhere. I don't know. It's like it's a big secret or something, you know? <laughs> but I, I would love to hear it myself because, you know, I can't remember that far back exactly all the things we did. And it was another wild thing, uh, Stanley Turrentine with, with Blue Note, with Alpha Lyons, Alpha Lyons, who was the owner of 
know, it was the thing that we had started with Butch, um, Butch, I think Butch Warren on the bass, Herbie Hancock on the keyboard, myself and Stanley Turntine, and it might have been his brother Tommy was playing a tune with us because he played a trumpet. And for some reason or other, uh, um, Alpha Line had called Stanley Turntine, who was a very strong and, and you could say stubborn man, you know, but he was very strong in his will of what he was doing. And Alpha Line mentioned something to him about maybe something that he wanted him to do. And when Stanley come back out of the room, you know, talking to, uh, had conversation with Alpha Line, he came out and said, hey, pack up. We're not doing no more. Hmm. And, man, I wish we hadn't packed up, <laughs> you know, because I would love to have heard the things that, you know, me playing with Herbie Hancock, Butch Warren, and, and Stanley and myself. But uh, I've never heard any more of that also. Hmm. Recording business is funny that way. Well, I'm sure glad we get a chance to hear you live in the great outdoors at the Carnegie, and all of this great jazz history is reflected in, in what you do. You are enjoying it these days. When you play, it's an event with your RH Factor. Yes, yes. It's, it's mm. like a, another world, you know. The, what is so nice about it, when we play, it's, it's the audience. I mean, you feel like... Uh, you're sharing some love and everything with the audience, and they're so happy at the moment mm. while you're playing, and after you're playing, they're very happy. So feel like you're contributing something positive. Well, Dana, we've got Roger Humphreys. What else is going to be happening that day? Food trucks, and you can go inside in the air conditioning and see the art. You've got all kinds of things going on with Inside Out. Exactly. Um, you know, I was just thinking about it, it is so much what Roger was just saying about the audience. And that is what Inside Out is about, is really about bringing people together. Um, and I think that, you know, this is the moment that we, we've been all been waiting for, is finding ways of connecting back with each other, um, connecting back to arts and culture in our community. So that's really like what we're thinking about and kind of with a heavy emphasis on that, you know, our region has so much to offer. So every week, every event, every Thursday, every Saturday, like you said, we have a different food truck schedule um, to really represent um, these different incredible um, chefs that have been working to bring food to people um, throughout the pandemic and before, of course. And you can also visit our art-making table where we have art supplies and different kinds of art activities with our teaching artists that you can take back to your pod, back to your table, um, so that you can not only be listening and watching art, but you can also be making art. Um, and then there will also be a wonderful bar that is um, designed by Cafe Carnegie Culinaire, and we'll be featuring local beers. Like we've said, we have a great partnership with Trace Brewing Company, which is newer in town, and they've just been doing really incredible kind of community-engaged, um, great ways of launching their business. So we're so excited to support them, as well as Easton Brewing Company. Um, and then also, of course, we have DJs. And so one of the things that we thought about in designing the program is that you know, typically when you have a stage, and I think a lot of the performing arts organizations are thinking about how to create physical distance for people so that our audiences can feel safe, our approach was thinking about the tradition of in-the-round performances and, and more of the happenings so that you have 
people spread out throughout the courtyard. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, Stacey Pearl um, dancers starting to emerge, you know, between um, people sitting down and thinking about the choreography that's in line with the audience. And so coming back to Roger talking about how incredible the audience is, um, we're thinking about like, you know, you're going to have jazz that's happening around you. You have art that's happening around you. You're, and, and you as the audience become just as much a part of that. Um, so when the performers um, aren't performing, then we have incredible DJs lined up to really hold down the space, to keep the space alive, to bring our best kind of summer jams to us, to, to keep us moving. And um, so we're really excited about that as well. And then, as you mentioned, um, being able to kind of move seamlessly inside and outside of the museum, um, your ticket price to go into the museum includes the Natural History Museum and the Art Museum. And, you know, you can come in and out once you buy that ticket for inside of the museum. But we, you know, with Inside Out, it's really thinking about, like, there's this incredible energy inside of the museum. And how do we just push it outside of our doors and keep pushing it a little bit further outside of our doors? And then all of our performers and DJs are bringing that energy to us and infusing the museum with that energy. And the public is just, a much, just as much a part of that. Um. Enjoying looking at the list. I wish we could mention everybody, but you've got the Afro Yaki Music Collective, the Texture Contemporary Ballet, Alia Musica with Federico Garcia de Castro and the Casilla Ensemble. Wonderful women who play new music and women composers. It's a very broad-ranging list of groups that you put together. Yes, and I think that, you know, also... Um, you named all of these incredible people, and then the dancers are also going to be, you know, Jasmine Hearn is an incredible contemporary dancer um, that's thinking about choreo choreography specifically for the courtyard. Um, and Clara Kent is an incredible R&B singer um, that's going to be thinking specifically, again, like Roger said, like what it means to be singing in that courtyard with those trees, with that sky, with that artwork. Um, and like you mentioned, it's a full range, and I think that that's what, um, we got really excited about thinking about is that, you know, I think a lot of us have really particular ideas about what we like. And, you know, you see something and you say, oh, that's familiar to me. I'll go to that. And that makes a lot of sense because we all have a way of connecting to artwork um, that makes sense for us and artists. And so I think one of the goals with Inside Out is that we are mixing it up. We are thinking about genres that necessarily aren't going to be next to each other um, typically, or, you know, that there might be an afternoon that brings together a couple different kinds of art experiences, a couple different genres, a couple different styles. And in that, it creates an opportunity, I think, for each of us to not only feel welcome, but also to maybe connect with something that we haven't previously connected with. I think what we enjoy and how we enjoy it can constantly expand. Dana, do you know what the Alumni Theater Company is going to do on the 19th of June? That's a Saturday from noon until 5. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's an exciting Saturday because we're going to be honoring Juneteenth. Um, and so Alumni Theater Company is creating a program with spoken word, with dance, um, with lots of movement, with theater, 
to honor and uplift Juneteenth and to recognize it in their own words. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Alumni Theater Company, it's incredible theater company that focuses on um, black and people of color, young, young performers, really introducing them to theater, um, focusing on, you know, recognizing the talent, creating structures around ensuring that they have access to um, the theater world. Their productions are phenomenal. I highly recommend them once they go back in season. Um, but for this, they are focusing on Juneteenth um, and the arts. So it's going to be a pretty incredible set of performances. What food can I enjoy from the food trucks? Who have you got signed up? Oh, my gosh. Expect Korean food. Expect Indian food. Expect barbecue. Um, you know, I think it's going to be such a range. We have stunt pig. We have Haskell's. We have Mr. Bugoji. We have Yogi's. Um, Del Vecchio. So some days it might be really great, you know, carnival food, hot dogs, and um but then another day you come and there's going to be really exciting kimchi meatballs. Um, we also have Imperial meatballs, speaking of meatballs, Soul Biscuit, La Katrina, lots of great tacos. So it's going to be a great mix um, of food trucks. But then also um, at our bar, um, we have a custom, very special premiering, only this is the only place you can get it, a custom inside-out ice cream sandwich that Cafe Carnegie is making um, homemade cookies with ice cream inside um, with an outdoor event without some ice cream. And then they're also making a snack mix. And then what's great is that if you're sitting outside, you can also, through a QR code, order food from the Cafe Carnegie and go inside to pick it up and bring it back outside. So we're really trying to make sure that there's lots of nourishment um, and again, with a focus on saying, how can this museum ensure that we're supporting um, the communities and the larger ecosystem around us? So great. Well, I've got to ask you about the good things I can see inside the museum as well. But while we have Roger Humphreys here, Roger, this can't be a debut for you. Surely you've played the museum before. Is this the first time you're headlining at the Carnegie Museum of Art? Well, I tell you what, uh, except for the fact when I was like 14, I played with the band at Carnegie Museum, at Carnegie mm -hmm. Music Hall, okay? And there's a good friend of mine, P. Henderson, and all the guys. And like you said, they have passed, okay? But when uh, Dana uh, met me outside and we walked around the thing, I couldn't think of a more beautiful place, you know, to be at. And this is my first time being an outdoor. It was just the atmosphere. And, and, and her talking about the different events, Believe you me, I will be at quite a few of them if I can. Because, like I said, it's just so relaxing and so beautiful. And, and what is so great about it, it's helping our community. You know, it's, it's exposing people to something that maybe they never was exposed to. So people really got to get out and check this out, man. This is beautiful. And I've been fortunate, like I said, at the age of 14, I was at Carnegie Music Hall, you know, doing playing with the quintet. So I've been affiliated with the place for a long time. And also they had my uh, thing up here about Roger Humphreys. Like I think uh, when I was a kid, you dig it inside the museum. And I feel so honored, you know, like Pittsburgh is my home and to be loved by so many people here. So um, I will be there after, <laughs> after I even play my gig. I'm going to be coming out 
you we know, to check it out. Always have to take a look at the photographs of Teeny Harris. You know, did Teeny ever get your picture? Did he ever shoot you there, Roger? Well, you, did you see the picture when I was three and a half with the drum set? Yes. In Mary Jane College School. Yeah. That's the picture that Teeny Harris took of me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> well, you got to see uh, the latest exhibit from Teeny, and of course, uh, in in the museum, you've got. In the forum, El Perez and things that are new to the collection. Uh, what would you suggest Roger and I go take a look at, Dana? Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, you know, just to follow up on Tini Harris is that, you know, what's incredible is right before the pandemic, we opened up a new gallery um, in the Scape Galleries focusing on Tini Harris. So, you know, the space that Tini is kind of the ways that the museum is contextualizing Tini's work. Um, is really incredible, and there's a lot on view from Teeny's collection, and that will be ever-growing. So that exhibition is called In Sharp Focus. Um, so I highly recommend that. And then, you know, to connect with thinking about the regional arts ecosystem, we have a great exhibition up called Locally Sourced. Um, and Locally Sourced focuses on designers and makers in the Pittsburgh region. Um, and it was organized by curator Alyssa Velasquez, um, really incredible makers like Knotsland, Savannah Hayes, Hannah Deutsch, um, Idea Dega, Oatmeal. So I highly recommend that because, again, it connects us to saying, like, look at the incredible art and design that is happening in Pittsburgh. And then, as you mentioned, um, you know, one of my favorite exhibitions up right now is by artist El Perez. And it is their first body of work that is showing outside, solo body of work showing outside of New York City. Um, it is incredible. It is deeply personal. Um, it was organized by Hannah Turpin. And it is really an exhibition about intimacy um, with all kinds of intimacies, intima intimacies with land, with nature, um, with each other. And then also you mentioned another favorite of mine. So, Jim, you're really kind of, you're on it. Um, new to the collection is just phenomenal. Um, we have just, um, I think, in a lot of ways, we don't think about the ways that museums um, collect work. And oftentimes, you know, museums are always collecting new work and adding it to their collection. But this show really highlights um, some really major works that the museum has just collected. And I think it's an attempt for the museum to say, this is what we're thinking about. These are the questions we're asking right now um, and are really tied to um, our complex and ever-changing conditions in the world around us. So some incredible work by Mark Bradford um, and Sarah Croner. Um, just, I again, that's right when you walk into the museum. Um, so I highly recommend checking that out as well. And everybody's going to be safe. You figured out how to do uh, look around, and the coronavirus is fading. People are vaccinated. Uh, it's it's good at last after being closed. So many people missed great things you were doing during the virus times. I love it that the museum's open, and you've thought a lot about how to keep everybody safe. Absolutely, we have. And I think, you know, throughout this entire pandemic, um, the Carnegie Museums of Pittsburgh have been following very, very closely, of course, the CDC's guidelines as well as our state guidelines, um, and we will continue to do so. Um, so as for now, masks are still required when you enter the museum, um, and there is also a temperature check and kind of health symptom screening um, just to ensure that everyone feels safe inside. 
And then in the courtyard, we're asking that people wear their masks when they interact with our performers and staff um, with consideration of their health and well-being. I think, you know, we've all learned from the pandemic that it really takes all of us to care for each other. So we're still considering that. But then considering that we're outside, we also recognize we want people to eat. We want people to drink. Um, So when you're sitting with your group of people that you came with, um, we understand that masks won't be worn um, while eating and drinking, much like the way that restaurants are handling it. Okay, Roger Humphreys, if I wear my mask, can I get an autograph from the guy who played percussion on Song for My Father and <laughs> toured around with Horace Silver? Is it possible to get an autograph with you at this date? No question. You can get two of them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm, Wait, are, you, are you asking for an autograph on your mask? <laughs> no, I'm going to bring my CD. We've got to have a photo, <laughs> a selfie for sure. Oh, my. I, I, I think it would be great if we all were wearing masks autographed by Roger Humphrey. Yeah, so. there you go, for sure. Oh, my. I've I, I got to let you go because we could talk all day, but just two more minutes of jazz talk with, with Roger. Roger, Horace Silver, three records, uh, an enduring jazz standard song for my father. What was Horace Silver like as a person? What was he like? Was he demanding? Was he tough? Did he speak? What was it like recording with Horace Silver? Well, Horace Silver was, after meeting him, treated me like a big brother, okay? Because uh, wherever we go, he always asked me, did you? Did I want to participate? But with him, with the music, it was... Uh, he just gave me ideas, you know, a thought. And being around music all my life and being around him, you know, after I, I got, you know, grown and recording with him, it was like we had a conversation together. He was very nice to me, you know, and like I said, like a big brother, educating me and telling me about this and the different people he played with and the different styles. So, like, when, when I played with him, I just, like, picked up automatically how he felt interacting like as a conversation once again you know and it's hard to express these things you know verbally like it's all through the music you know well <laughs> uh, you know it, it, it's just incredible to think of you at that famous moment and of course Horace put his dad on the cover it's a photograph on the cover of the Blue Note album of his father did he explain to you when he when you were recording the music that this was an influence that this was about his dad in any particular way Really, he just uh, said, um, this is a um, uh, a tune that I wrote for my father, you know. And he didn't go into a whole lot of details except the fact that that was his dad, you know. And But we didn't go into a lot of details about his father, you know. And it's just like you and I having our dads. want to have a contribute, want to do something special, you know, because we have memories of our, of our parents. And, like, um, that was about the size of it. And before you, before you realize it, his song for my father just grew, seemed like, mm-hmm. all over the place. It had, it like, an attachment to everybody who listened to it, you know, the song. You also recorded Jayhawk Talk. Uh, this was a famous jazz recording, too, on the Prestige label with an amazing trumpet player. Yes, Carmel Jones and Jimmy Heath was also on there. <laughs> yes, that was a nice, another nice uh, experience. With the guys, and being that you're you're young man, only thing you have to do is a whole lot is just listen to them, take the education that they're trying to give to you, you know. And okay. you don't speak that much because when you speak, you're not learning anything. But they were very nice to me, you know.
Uh, when you want to help people learn your current discography, what do you point them to of your records that you've made more recently, things that are on Spotify and wherever, uh, things you can get from Amazon? What would you... I have an old record of yours called This and That that I loved from years ago, but uh, what, what of your discography, what, what do you tell people? This is what, To know Roger Humphreys, you've got to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, and also the kicker, Nutville, Natives are Restless Tonight. All those different things that I did with Hort Silver, you know, and it has a it, it gives them a chance to hear me solo and part of my personality and, and my plan. But if they would go on my my uh, my website, it's just rogerhumphreysband.com, and they can pick up not only my recordings that I've done, but where my scheduling going to be, such as next week at Carnegie Music Hall. I'm I suggest that nobody misses this if you if you can, you know, because it's going to be a beautiful experience, and the weather is going to be good for us also. It must be. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Even though uh, the arts festival is very strange, it's starting with a sunny weekend for the arts festival. I don't know. What, that's that's quite weird. But it doesn't really matter. What what, what about uh, rain, uh, Dana? Would you bring people inside? What are you going to do if you got an umbrella? What happens? Yeah. You know, I'm calling it the Kennywood rule, right? <laughs> Taking the lead from Kennywood. But, you know, ultimately, um, we I think we're not, we're not going to bring people inside due to the pandemic. Um, but what we will do is we'll be monitoring the weather very closely. If 24 hours in advance of the night before we see that major thunderstorms are going to be happening all day, then we will reschedule that artist um, for another Saturday Um but if there's interspersed, you know, if there's rain in between and we do have some pop-up tents and, um, you know, a little cooling off wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It can't rain from noon until 5. There's got to be a break yeah. in the sky one way or the other. And you're running all the way through September 4th with Roger Humphreys on Saturday, June 12, the RH Factor Band. Uh, what a joy to talk with you both. Uh, Dana, we haven't talked about all the other amazing things you do with art meditations and the book club and yoga and uh, what all. It's, it's an amazing thing. So you got to go to cmoa.org slash inside out for the inside out schedule. All the best to both of you. Anything else you want to want to share? Anything you want to close with? Well, I thank, just you say, so thank, you. thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dana and you, Jim. Thank you. You're making my day. Oh, Dana, thanks. Thanks for your great work. And uh, Roger, you amaze me always with the incredible contribution to the scene that you've made Pittsburgh your home. You could have done jazz in New York or all around the world uh, and made that your home, but you made Pittsburgh your home. This is where you grew up and your family's from here, and you've stayed here. And it's just absolutely great that you continue to add so much to uh, our uh, beautiful life here in western Pennsylvania. Bless you, Roger and Dana. Good to talk to you you both. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jim. Thank you all. I look forward to seeing you this summer.